0: Welcome to another episode of the Classic Car Corner Podcast. Our guest this evening has been in the classic car and restoration business since 1980 from the same location he started some 42 years ago. He has served the greater Dallas-Fort Worth area, and his company has been named by AAA as the Top Shop Award recipient. I'm Jason Painter, and co-hosting today is uh, Eric Benzel, and we welcome Mr. Barry Wilson of Wilson Auto Repair, located in Garland, Texas. Very welcome, and thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to see us this
1: evening. Uh, thanks for having me. This ought to be a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. Well, you have, uh, um, th- there had to be a, a car that initially started and t- turned your head back some years ago before you uh, started your own business, and we would love to know how that uh, passion of yours started here.
1: You know, I, I was with my grandson today, and uh, I was trying to explain to him how everybody has some little something inside of them that tells them what they should do the rest of their life. And mm-hmm. he said, well, when did yours come up? And I said, I think it was when I was two.
0: I uh, got you right. <laughs> uh,
1: my, my grandfather was an old German fellow that owned a Ford dealership in this town I grew up in, uh, population 600 people, 670 people. And he had a Model T that was his prized possession, stuck under a shed out in the back, Uh, had a horsehair blanket in the seat uh, and more dirt than you could possibly imagine on it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I never saw the car run, but I spent many hours studying it, you know, watching it and looking at it. And, you know, he would trade for some other cars along the line. And, and uh, I didn't realize until way later in life that my interest actually was in classic cars. I like older cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like new cars, too, but but I really get attracted to the older cars. So right. that's where it all started, right there at his dealership.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, it's, uh you know, the, the, the classic Model A's and the Model T's and all that, uh, I think that sparked a lot of interest for a lot of, of these classic car owners, that is for sure. So. Yeah.
1: I had a uh, Model A or Model T club out to my shop for, we used to do some some just evening events, and I asked the president of that club how fast the Model T goes. and He said, oh, downhill about 15 miles an hour, right. anything, after, anything over that gets pretty dangerous. Yes, <laughs> so, right,
0: exactly, no doubt. Yeah.
2: And he got it in black, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure <laughs> you exactly right. Uh, so describe your shop uh, for us and, and tell us what makes it different than other shops
1: i think uh not that this is an advantage or anything different we are different most shops uh that i can think of in the dallas area and for that matter what you see on facebook and instagram and whatnot have the uh a shop where they have projects you know they'll have three or four vehicles that they're trying to build for people Mm -hmm. uh or they'll have just one or two that they're they're trying to sell a frame and a pickup to go with it and uh it, it, it's a kind of a specialty shop, I think. Okay. Uh, we, we don't just do the restorations and the renovations of vehicles. We are actually a repair shop, uh, first and foremost, and also do restorations along with that. So if you go buy a, a Mustang and it won't start and it's been sitting for a while, then you can come to us and we'll tell you what it's going to take to make that car dependable and then do the repairs for you. Gotcha.
2: So it's going to – your take basically t- – the mechanic shop that we would want to take our classic car to back when it was a brand new car and say hey can you give me a uh, an inspection on this let me know what let me know if there's anything goofy with it uh, just cuz you have the knowledge is that
1: yep exactly awesome? that's kind of how I grew up that way you know working on cars uh, most all of my life and I tell people that come in. I've worked on classic cars twice. Once in the '80s when they were the second car (laughs) in the family, (laughs) and and now again. Now that they're, you know, in those cars, they tried to give to me when they quit running, and I wouldn't have them slap me in the face. And now I'm working on them when they're coming out of the auction, and you know, places out of the back of the pasture or in the garage where they haven't been run for a while, and they need to get them back up on their feet.
0: And that's a very interesting point that you just made. That it's almost come full circle, <laughs> hasn't it? It has. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Has. How about that? Well, so um, what are some tips when it comes to buying a classic car, Barry, that you would uh, suggest for a potential buyer?
1: Um, first, of all, I'd like to preface that by saying that I don't think anybody likes to be told what to buy, <laughs> and, yep. and that's my that's my experience in my shop. People mm-hmm. buy classic cars for all sorts of reasons, and none of them really uh, make any sense to me. And I'm just looking at it from the standpoint of how much money it takes to make it work or mm-hmm. run. Mm-hmm. But really the most important part, I think, when you're getting ready to buy one is to first familiarize yourself with the, the market. You know, go out there and look around, see what's available, how much people are asking for them, who's selling them, where they're located. Uh, get a, Just get a feel, you know, like you do when you house hunt. You know, look at look at a whole bunch of cars. And then start narrowing it down to to the things that you really like in those cars. And then at the very last, uh, my inclination is is to start asking for documentation. You know, a lot of these cars they claim are re- just recently restored, or this has been done, or that's been done. But uh, most of my customers never take the next step and ask for that information.
0: Gotcha.
2: Yep. <clears throat> so when they do come come to you, when when they, I'm sure they'll reach out to you saying, "Hey, I'm I'm looking at this Mustang, this Ford, this Mopar." Or, or uh, do you also, I guess I should also ask in here, and i assume that it's only American-made, do you also handle the classic?
1: I do global? a few. I do uh, MGs, your, your, uh, the Dotsons, I have a 66 Dotson Roadster, and I've worked on those and the Z cars. Uh, Triumphs I've done some work on. Uh, I don't really get into anything made in Germany, you know, the Porsches, the Mercedes, and things like that.
2: So what's what's the procedure to get an idea of what is needed to make their car dependable?
1: Well, we've come up with a way that we think works pretty well. We uh, for five hundred dollars, you can give us your car and take and we'll give you about a five hour inspection, a uh, compression test, oil pressure test, and then do a real heavy duty lookover and give you an inspection list. Uh, and at that point, you can say which people do, they'll say, "Well, how much is all of that?" or others will say, "I don't want to do all that right now. Tell me the A, B and C items which mm-hmm. I'd do for them. right, and then then we work up a beginning estimate. Uh, and then, I, and I always tell them it's a beginning estimate because what we've found is probably only about 60% of what's wrong with the car. Uh, once we start taking the rear axle apart or things off of the motor or whatever, when you do tear-down work, you always find more work, and that adds mm-hmm. to the the price or the bill, as you would think.
2: Well, certainly, and I'm sure with any of these, any cars that are older than, well, I guess 25 years or older, it, it, as you get into it, you can either get into – I guess the estimate's going to be looking at, A, here's what's to make it safe. Here's to make it drivable, and you're probably not – it's not going to lose control over itself.
1: Uh, and then, yeah, you're correct. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: No, no. It's, and then I guess the other part is, um, as as you get into it, as I've had, because my current uh, 06 Volkswagen – I've nicknamed it Basket Case uh, – as you get into some repairs – they, do, they can lead down to other things that you find out that just maybe you find out on the outside it looks really great, but on the inside they didn't do the preventative maintenance throughout the years that maybe they said that they did but didn't really happen.
1: Yeah, I, I think when you get back to the – the ones like the 65 Mustangs and the early Broncos and stuff, the, the mm-hmm. word preventive maintenance wasn't even around at that point in time when they were new. <laughs> People just, <laughs> right. they just as We used to just drive until the wheels fell off, and that was about two years, and then you'd trade them back in for another <laughs> right. car. Oh, wow. yeah. So, you know, the one thing I always tell everybody right. is that, uh, and I think this is true, uh, that my customers expect to get a car back that will start and turn and stop and be something that they can take out on a, any given weekend uh, for a fun trip. And what usually happens if they don't get a good restoration or a good amount of repairs to fix that car, uh, they'll go out and it won't start. And then they go out and it doesn't start. And then the next thing you know, they're stacking Christmas boxes on it.
0: Gotcha. So
1: yep. you, you got to get, you got to give them something that, that works and continues to work and is going to be dependable, not leave them sitting at a gas station somewhere. And uh, we try real hard to do that.
2: I, and I have one silly question because Jason's taught this to me. Uh, do you also let let these owners that come in, they bring these cars to you, let them know little tricks like, by the way, when you go to start this car, hit pu- take the gas pedal to the floor once and let it up. It's going to reset the carburetor. If you start pumping this thing, you're just going to flood it. Is there things yep. like that that you...
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We, You know, actually, when you come to pick up your car... You, first you you kind of go over your bill, but the second thing you get is a, a ride with my mechanic that worked on it, and that's that can be as long as you want and he'll go out uh, take you around the corner, show you all about your car, uh, answer all your questions and allow you to drive and make sure you know what you're doing so that when they get ready to leave, they feel very comfortable you know in a car that they haven't probably ever driven in the last forty years. so and it, as you guys know, it's different than driving a brand new car right. so they they're, yep. you know they need to they need to know. What that feels like before they jump in it and hit the freeway, you know, and then (laughs) uh, things don't work out very well. Right. So yeah, we we give them a pretty thorough uh, going over. And then as the repairs going on, they get texting or, or email pictures from me every day of what we've done. And Mm -hmm. if they choose to ask questions while we answer questions, and then I always invite them out, but not very many of them. Come back out and take a look.
0: I got gotcha. you. Very cool. And that's a nice touch. I think. I think that speaks a lot for your business to to actually take the time out and and introduce reintroduce the car after it's been fixed uh, to the owner. Uh, because, I mean, many a times there's, you know, my experiences I've, you know, I've gotten the car back and then five miles down the road, it either starts doing the same thing again, or there's a new problem or something, there's a different sounding rattle. And I, right. I think, I think having a, uh, uh, you know, a certified mechanic go along with you and, you know, take it down the road, get it to operating temperature, get it up to speed. I think that's a nice touch. So that's, that's, that's really, really a good idea for sure.
1: In addition to that, we usually put about 200 miles on them before we call them.
0: Ah, gotcha. So, okay. So,
1: and, yep. and that that's kind of a, a slice in your own th- throat kind of thing because usually yep. over that 200 miles, about eight more problems will pop up, just well, sure. exactly what you yeah. were talking about. Right. And here we go again, you know, we're doing more work on it.
0: But yeah.
1: right. uh, it's it's a stair step to get them where they're pretty close to perfect, and that's what we want to do. So we, we just keep driving them until they uh, start to behave properly, and then we turn them over to the owner.
2: Well, and that's, that's, that's a level of customer service you don't see from a lot of shops these days, is being able to take on that, hey, it, the car is – what it is Mm. and here it's safe to drive here are things you're going to hear that you don't hear in modern cars these are okay now if it goes from a ting to a clang
0: call me (laughs) basically exactly and and barry i mean how long should it take to repair a car truck uh you know i know that um i guess a lot of that might be uh, contingent upon the part availability but you know if the part comes in it's you know how long does it normally take you guys to fix
1: I uh, I would say, and uh, I'll preface it by saying that most of the cars we work on have been disabled for a while. You know, they've sat in a garage. Mm-hmm. Grandfather gave it to them. The, in the Broncos cases, they're usually out in a pasture somewhere or oh, a right. barn. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we get them uh, in a condition where they need a lot of mechanical work, and I would say that's a three-month minimum as much as six months a, a event to, to okay. get it where they're actually going to be ready to go home. Gotcha.
0: Very cool. And
2: so speaking about that, we, we've we got vehicles that have been sitting for a long time. What's generally involved with fixing a vehicle that's been sitting a long time? What are the things that are pretty much you're going to find one, two, and three in these things right off the bat? Or is there a common, like, yep, this is what we typically see on a car that's been sitting, like a Bronco, that's the Broncos that have been sitting in the field for however long?
1: Yeah, well, the first thing that I always tell everybody, the first thing we need to do is to get it running. So we do a compression test and get the motor diagnosed, and usually uh, if it's been setting very long, it's going to take a gas tank and fuel lines and a fuel pump and a carburetor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always recommend uh, taking the old points and condenser distributor out, and putting in a, a high HEI-type distributor, mm-hmm. and basically get it running so we're sure – that the motor's going to be okay and not be knocking and things that you can't mm-hmm. tell about until it's running. And then right. we want to make sure it's going to go in gear. And the next thing we'll do is fix the brakes so we can then drive it to see what the driveline's like. After that, then you're looking at things like uh, steering and suspension and a whole bunch of gas station wiring problems that's been going on for forty years where wires got twisted together with black tape. <laughs> uh you yep. know all all the little it, 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 stuff like gas gauges not working temperature gauges uh radiators stopping up uh water pumps leaking, tire steering leaks, things of that nature so you, you kind of just kind of go down the whole list, but that's mm-hmm. kind of our approach is to make sure they're running okay before you know I'd hate to sell somebody something and, and then find out after they spent a whole bunch of money that the motor was talking you know so we try to protect right. that so that they don't they don't get a big surprise right at the very end.
0: And your shop also is involved with frame off restorations. Is that correct, Barry?
1: Frame off restorations. We yes. are. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. We do. We uh, we that, you know a frame off in in our vernacular is take the car or truck or Bronco all the way apart, and mm-hmm. what's left is the frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, deal with all the problems on the frame, weld it up, get it sandblasted, get it into primer, and then begin building the vehicle back together. Uh, new motor or a rebuilt motor, uh, same with the transmission, axles, everything gets touched, cleaned, and rebuilt, and checked, and you just kind of do that all the way back to where you started. Gotcha. Uh, we, We don't give an estimate for restorations. We give kind of a general idea because... You know, It's all based on what the next part that's going to go back on the vehicle is right. we put it back together, and that might be a bad part. Oops, that's sure. going to go on the list. And it's going to cost you some money, so mm-hmm. that's how that kind of works.
0: And you can get down to the frame and find out that you need to do some welding to it, too.
1: <laughs> so, Absolutely. Yeah, right. Yeah. Broncos especially, the ones that have been torqued out in the field and stuff, uh-huh. you'll find a lot of cracks in frames. And oh, sure. Things right. that you don't like very much.
2: Is there an average time that those restorations take? I mean, if you're doing a frame off, I'm sure it's there's not really a... Is there an average clock on that, or is it just a matter of, you know what, when this is done, it's when it's done? The time it takes is the time it takes, or?
1: I I think our shortest time uh, on a a vehicle has been about a year plus, and the longest probably three to five years, depending on, uh, you know, what had to be done and who showed up for work and how many people were sick and whether we're wearing masks and, you know, that type of thing that's kind of disrupted business for the last couple of years.
2: Oh, completely understand. And real quick, let's want to take a quick moment and thank our sponsors for the today's episode, Springdale Automotive, the, the next generation in car care. They're locally owned, professionally operated, and whatever you drive, they service. From domestic, Euro, hybrid, electric, classics, and diesel, Springdale's classic car services include maintenance, repair, and diagnostics. With four convenient neighborhood
0: locations, how may they be of service? And we're talking to Mr. Barry Wilson. And uh, Barry, so here, here we here we have another question here for, here for you. Um, long ago, service station attendants would fill your gas tank and look under the hood, and they would help you help you spot some problems. In addition, they would also make sure that your fluids were topped off. How can a car owner get that type of service today? There, Barry, do you have any idea?
1: I do, you know, and I I hope you guys are are, have a memory of seeing guys come out and fill your tank up and raise your hood,
0: right, and and look at things, (laughs) and
1: and, uh, you know, but most people after that were lost and and needed somebody to help them. So, what I'd recommend if you have a car, uh, most people that have them do not want to get their fingers dirty; they just want to drive them and you know have people honk at them. But I I would find a shop like the one you just advertised and. Mm Drop by and just say, show me how to check my fluids and how to look under the hood so I can spot problems. Yep. In addition, I think uh, what I used to do when I was growing up with my cars is, when you walk up to them, you always looked underneath them to see anything leaked out pretty badly. Sure. Oh yeah, right. To make sure there wasn't something going on there. Right. Uh, you worked off smells and noises. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have cell phones back then, so we had to be able to protect ourselves if we were going to make it, you know, a fifty-mile trip somewhere. Oh right. Uh, look, sure. Look at your tires. Learn how to check your own tire pressure. Do some things that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, may- maybe it can be a, an event for your uh, uh, father and son. If not, then just drive into a place and ask them to do that for you. And make yourself a little checklist so that you at least have some idea of what you've looked at. And uh, it'll help you kind of maintain the car and keep it in good shape so that it doesn't break down on you and cost you a bunch of money.
2: I can, I can attest to that making a checklist part there. My grandfather taught me everything I know about cars. I do my own shade tree stuff. And thanks to Haynes and Chilton's and now YouTube, I've been able to do a lot of things to my car that... Saved a lot of money, but I my cousin's a mechanic, and he loves to see me from time to time because I, there's things I just can't do. Yeah. But that checklist is key because I did a road trip in my old 84 Honda Civic, and it remained an 84 Honda Civic because I had the caps off, checked the oil, checked the dipstick, took the cap off, checked the radiator, the phone rang. <clears throat> Back in the day, kids, the phone was inside the house on the wall with a cord. With a big spiral yeah. cord. <laughs> right. So you had to stop you what go. you were doing and, and run inside and grab the phone Hey, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm on the way over. Okay, I'll be there in five minutes. All right, click. I got everything checked off, run back outside, put the cap back on. I didn't actually look in the radiator to see the coolant level as I torpedoed my engine right around Cincinnati from Louisville. So <laughs> def- if I actually did the checklist like you just described, I would have seen my, my checklist going, I didn't check that out. All right, let me double check it. Oh let me put some coolant
0: in there all right
1: yeah yep. we've all got those stories isn't that amazing and we lived through that without a cell phone it,
0: it, it, you're exactly right <sighs> you feel weird if you forget your cell phone just going down the street it's like oh wait a second I'll turn around and get it again yeah. I, I absolutely but learning
2: yeah. that stuff from the grandparents now my grandfather did not tell me until it was too late about hey when you're checking the spark plugs on your rabbit don't don't Turn the car off before you push down on the distributor to
0: check it. Because <laughs> right. yeah. that rubber yeah, doesn't thoroughly insulate those yeah, enough. And, yeah.
1: yeah. 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 That, that's a shock that you need to get once. And, right. then you'll, always remember. I, and you'll
0: always remember. That's
1: exactly right. I, I heard
2: He said, I was just getting ready to tell you, you might not want to do that. But I, I, as he saw me jumping like a rabbit, I didn't think I could jump that high. But <laughs> yeah. I was jumping through his yeah. backyard and I heard it. And I stopped <laughs> and I was like, I could hear him laughing from inside the house. He said, Boy, I saw all of that. I wish I had a camera for that.
0: <laughs> right. That was yeah. hilarious. Uh, so, no, no uh, uh, so okay here, here here's a good question which is actually affecting some of the new cars also is how are parts and and or shipping delays affecting classic car repairs
1: right now uh of course obviously worse on the new cars because mm-hmm. they can't get all the uh, chips and stuff that they right. need but for classic cars the same thing we have uh you know i think it's a help issue uh there are uh, not as many people out there working in in a lot of the places where they make parts and As a result, uh, you can really end up waiting a long time. We ordered a couple of motors, just blocks, and waited eight months. We waited uh, about six months for some heads. Uh, We're still waiting after a year for a a transfer case, and uh, you can't blame anybody for it. It's just part of the way life is, Right. and so that's affected us. The other thing that has affected us is the quality of the parts. We've had... Uh, it seems like a lot of parts that have come in uh, were not very good. We had to do it again so uh, you know I used to used to kind of strictly stay with all stay with all the name brand parts uh, earlier on in my career. but nowadays you just get one source and you take it and run with it and if it mm-hmm. doesn 't work, then you have to exchange it back for another one
2: gotcha yeah would would you say that that just part supply um, and maybe well, let me ask you, ask you to answer the question. Uh, what would you say are some of the most glaring problems with classic cars? You just mentioned parts. Uh, are there any other items out there that are affecting this uh, hobby, business?
1: Well, I, I don't think there's any particular problems. There, there's certainly something you need to look out for. You need to be sure who you're buying a car from, uh, you know, where, where it's coming from, what, who's selling it to you, uh, you know, what attain enough information that you're comfortable. You know, when we, when you, you guys and myself were buying cars from Uncle Ralph next door, we kind of knew I took care of it. And nowadays you're just kind of in the dark and at a dealership, you get some sort of assurance. You know, they'll offer you an extended warranty or whatnot. But when you spend a lot of money on a classic car, you don't get that. And then it comes shipped in from Seattle to Dallas and uh, it's not what was described to you and you're upset. So mm-hmm. uh, th- that's a big problem. I think people need to be a little more uh, inspect a little bit more and pay a little more attention, ask a lot more questions than they do when they buy these cars.
0: Gotcha. Do you,
2: and I'm sure you train, have a, have a, you probably, how do you train your team to come in there? Because I think there's probably knowledge that, As we get into computerized systems, electronic fuel injection, do you see there being an issue with people that know how to tune a carburetor or that just know how to... Work that magic anymore? Or- uh,
1: yeah, but you know, I've got some guys that've been with me a long time, and I think the secret to that is is they have a, a, an affinity for old cars like I do. Mm-hmm. And I guess the other thing is they don't mind putting up with me every day, so <laughs> we we, uh, we get along very well. And I I try to teach them as we go along, mm-hmm. and they are willing to learn. One uh, of one of the, one of the uh, things that anybody that's new that comes in is told is that ask a lot of questions. So. That's, that's the key to learning this. And, and, and I've got guys that can do lots of stuff. I bet, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're Holly certified on fuel injection. Uh, we have plenty of guys that can build carburetors, transmissions, transfer cases, you know, just whatever we need to get done and we can do it well. And I got one full time fabricator, two body man and a painter. So we try that's to good. cover. Yeah. You know, cover everything. So it, 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 it doesn't mean we know how to do everything, but we're sure willing to try, and we usually try to give it our very best. Gotcha. and that's all at
0: all at the same address that you've been at it uh, for the forty-two years you've been in business. Is that right? Everything that you yeah. just mentioned. Yes. That's oh, that's correct. so cool. That is so
1: cool.
2: Um, it, there's there's a lot to be said about having a one-stop shop. Oh, right. For everything oh, gosh, involved. Oh, yeah.
1: Yes, absolutely. We don't do upholstery because I don't know how to sew. So I've <laughs> I got gotcha, right. gotcha. <laughs> you. I got gotcha. you. Do you?
2: Is there an abundance of people that that uh, business out there that do upholstery, or do you see any of that disappearing?
1: It is disappearing. There's the, that's that's a uh, an art that takes somebody special to be able to. They the, the guy I have makes seat covers for cars, and he's just a uh, an expert in putting convertible tops on and, you know, in very particular, uh, you know, runs around with his his eyes slanted shut because he's so particular about what he does. You know, he's just really after it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's Morris trim and Mesquite and I use him for everything and uh, he does a great job. In the
0: Mesquite
2: area, Morris trim.
1: Yeah. Right. There you you go. go. Had to plug up, had to plug old Tim there, you know. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Get him out of his easy chair today.
2: (laughs) Right. There you go. Why am I getting all these phone calls? (laughs) Yeah. What?
1: (laughs) now, in general,
2: excuse me, and in general, how do you view the classic car industry?
1: I think it's as healthy as it's ever been. I got pretty nervous. You know, I'm 75 years old. When I started this 15, 20 years ago, I thought when guys like me started dying off that I'd be out of work. But uh, I saw a graph just the other day from Instagram showing the the potential buyers for classic cars, and it goes all the way back to 40 years old, strongest at the, uh, you know, the 60 up. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, I, you know, you look at the auctions and you see that they're setting. you know, Mecham was just here in Dallas mm-hmm. and they set a record for the amount of money that right. they brought in. And, yep. and they, uh, you know, how they, how they do it, I don't know. But every weekend they've got cars to sell and people buy
0: them. No, and you're so exactly right. No, I, it,
1: it has to be strong.
0: Well, you know, and as collectors and I, do you have a couple of cars in your fleet? You probably do, don't you? Did you I do, I have,
1: uh, yeah, I have, uh, my wife's not here, so I can tell you anything you want to know <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I have, I have, uh, I think I have 15 or 16 cars, some of which okay. run, some that don't.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Well, you know, and you know, I, I keep telling my wife with my small collection. I tell her, you know, these are investments. And her rebuttal is, well, they're only investments if you if you sell them and for a profit. Yeah, right. And so, you know, my problem is I, I get attached to these darn cars, and I've reared three boys with uh, having these cars uh, in their lives for as long as they have been. So it's, it, it's more uh, nostalgic and sentimental for us uh, than it is anything. But when we did uh, do our um, podcast with. Wayne Carini, we asked him the same question, and he seems to think that it's propelling in, a, in a, a a positive manner and will continue to do so for quite some time, which is obviously a great problem to have. And, you know, I think he mentioned it best. He said, you know, every day that goes by, a classic car becomes more and more rare. And I do I, I do think that. I mean, um, you know, as, as the time goes on, um, you know, there's going to be cars out there that are all the more rare for sure. So.
1: Yeah, they, there's a lot of them going to end up getting crushed, and there's a lot of them going to go overseas. And, you know, the, the supply and demand thing is going to f- come into effect, and some of the cars like, you know, the, I think there's a Mustang in everybody's backyard that hadn't run for 40 years, but that's kind right. of going away now. So yeah, there there's not as many cars out there as there used to be, which drives the prices up.
0: Yeah, no, that, that is true. So So the quick question here is, you know, are you asked what your favorite car or truck is?
1: All the time. Okay. Anybody that we were out to dinner the other night mm-hmm. and we drove my sixty five olds
0: okay, okay. to celebrate
1: right. my fortieth year in business oh that's and, awesome uh, right and the waitress says what's your favorite car and I said well it's just the car I'm working on right now yeah I you got know, you I, I, right I, I, you know it's somebody's car that I'm, I'm working on and uh, uh-huh. I kind of described one or two of them uh, and I and I like that part of it it's really fun my my personal favorite probably would be a, some of the pickups that I have that have uh, some sort of sentimental meaning towards. Mm-hmm. I got you.
0: Sure. Right. Absolutely.
2: You know, and, and there's a thing about that. I drove, uh, we took last year, we took a couple of Jason's cars up to a car show and uh-huh. <clears throat> I drove his 65 Mustang away from that thing. And, you know, it was just, I'm not a cool guy, but driving that car, I felt pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I didn't yeah. have to go fast. I just had to just twirl that thing around and, and the, the heads that were looking back, twisting their heads, looking at that thing. I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's the car, it's not me. Yeah. But.
1: You're right. You know, I think, I really think, I tell people that there's two reasons that people become your friends. One, when you're driving an old car and the other one is when you have a dog in your car. Right. Where, you know, they're very friendly on the road when, you know, instead of honking at you, they stop and ask you what you're doing your model it is, or wave at you or whatever you know so when you were in that mustang you were setting the you know the tone for the day and making somebody happy getting to see your you in that car
2: oh it was, absolutely it was a yeah. good time so tell us some more about the cars that you have what what are some that you that you i mean you've mentioned this the 65 olds what are some of them the ones that stand out to you that you're that just you're like that those are my those, that's my family those are my well
1: I, that, that olds is a pretty much of a favorite. it's a it's yeah. a, a sixty five olds jet star which was a oh, two wow. door delta eighty eight but it was a car that uh that, that olds wheel came out with to try to compete with the Impala and a forty four thousand mile car i've restored and painted twice i've had it so long took it on the power tour one year oh cool but i have a i have a forty nine ford f one pickup that i uh remember riding in a pickup like that with my grandfather and i have a a 79 Ford pickup, uh, just an F-100 that I raised my kids in back in the 90s. Uh, and by the way, I name all my vehicles probably like y'all do. Oh yeah. I've got a, a, a MGB that I made for my oldest daughter, a 65 Mustang I made for my youngest daughter, and a CJ7 I made for my son. Uh, and I have um, a 63 Thunderbird that's in the process, a 57 CJ5 that's in the process, a uh MG TF that's in the process all those cars are in a 50 model ford shoebox that are all in my shop and when i get extra moments i work on them trying to get them back on the road and into reality again.
0: well it, so in your time doing this barry what has been the most difficult thing for you to do or um or for you to have to tell owners to understand i guess is the best better question
1: well the hardest part is is uh having to tell somebody something that you know they're not going to understand You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. we we were doing all this and you spent a whole bunch of bucks, but guess what? Now you got a whole bunch more bucks coming. Right. And they're going to say, why didn't you tell me that in the first place? And, you know, you know, they don't understand that you, you couldn't tell them that till you got to this point. Point.
0: Yep. That's exactly right. I've gotten
1: a little bit brighter about all, like as an example for painting, you know, I tell them that, you know, I've got you really in the wrong position because when I paint your car, I'm going to strip it down to the metal. Mm -hmm. And if I find a whole bunch of stuff wrong with it, that's going to cost you a whole bunch more money. And you're not going to have any choice. You know, you got a car that's that's bright here and shiny with metal and no paint. you Mm -hmm. got to go on with it, and it could be a huge change in the cost of fixing that car. So I've kind of learned uh, over the years the things to tell them, but there's still something that always pops up that, uh, you know, that you didn't think of and you wish you had of at the last minute.
0: Yep, gotcha.
2: Now, when people are calling you, how do you manage the volume of calls you get for Just questions for
1: help. Well, I got an F 150 that has one of those voice activated deals in the truck, so I can answer a lot of questions on to and from work. Mm I try to help everybody uh, I, at first i didn 't want to do that. I was just going to you know kind of give them hints and walk away, but actually, I give them as much information as I have, uh, provided that it doesn 't turn into a thirty minute phone conversation so
0: gotcha uh, right.
1: <laughs> most most of what it most of it uh is where can I find this part or you know how can I do this or do that and I usually have some some pretty good ideas for them of how to go about doing stuff mm-hmm. uh, and I also, on my website, I have a, a help help desk where you, if you need to talk to me for a long time, you can pay $99, and I'll talk to you.
0: And, oh, nice. Uh, okay.
1: You know, help you with what, you know, if you're one of those guys that can't get your car to start, nobody will help you, then I'll help you for 99 bucks. I got you. So, Great. Uh, yep. But I don't, you know, I don't try to flip people over to that. I just try to help them uh, best I can because somebody helped me along the way and taught me about cars. and. I want to be as kind back to them if oh, I can, sure. as, as possible.
0: No, no, I got you. And I guess uh, people who are also solicit you to help them locate parts. What's your advice for that?
1: Well, they've usually run the gamut on uh, all the the places online, and it's a part that is impossible to find. So I'm I'm a on a whole lot of groups on Facebook, uh, and I usually recommend to them that they go on Facebook and join those groups, and then put a post in there. Uh, unfortunately, that's got to be a scammer's paradise. You have to be very careful because everybody uh, seems right. to have parts to the next. Mm-hmm. But I suggest that to them. The other thing that I suggest to them <coughs> excuse me, is that they call the uh, Mustang Club president in Dallas or Indianapolis or wherever they live and ask them uh, if there's anybody in that group that uh, could help them. They usually have one guy that's kind of the resident mechanic and knows where all the parts are to be found and i always ask them to uh solicit information about you know if, if you if you're a mustang owner you may know where there are four salvage yards that have nothing but mustangs and uh like i i maintain a list like that on my phone so if i need to park for a jeep i know to call o'harry up in indianapolis
0: Gotcha. you mm-hmm. uh,
1: and that's that's important. So if they ask those people, they might be able to find a good use part that way. Uh,
0: okay.
2: Well, for our yeah. listeners, that's worth ninety nine dollars sometimes to give uh, Barry a call on.
1: Oh, absolutely! <laughs> <There you go. laughs> yeah, no, doubt. Def- no and I try to be pleasant, but I, sometimes people say I'm too too abrupt. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, you know, I would not be a good school teacher. Sometimes I get some really <laughs> funny answers.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, and you know, coming back to our, the question I had about you know mechanics that know how to work on carburetors. Do you find, what's your advice about pop, folks that might say, you know what, I might not be able to get this carburetor fixed when I get it home. Should we switch it out to a fuel injection? What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think fuel injection is really good for people that did not grow up with carburetors. And it sounds like you did because you know, the part about how to set the choke by pushing your foot to the floor and how to pump the gas. Mm -hmm. But when you say pump the gas to somebody that's 35 or 40 years old, you, you know, you might as well tell them to go look for, you know, (laughs) Jupiter. They just don't, they do not get it. And so I think those, those people, even though it's extremely expensive and, you know, those fuel injection systems are not the easiest to get set up to work right, work well after they run right. But, difficult to get there so uh those those younger people that that don't want the aggravation of trying to learn how to work a carburetor then if they've got the money they should go ahead and pay for the fuel injection
2: gotcha. uh, is one of the prep questions for that first i want you to go out here and find the spark plugs on my diesel <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. right. yeah. you if you yeah. can do that I'll check, put the... your oil. check your oil let's see you check your oil <laughs> right. I'll,
2: I'll i will talk about the pricing on changing that out
0: yeah, so so we've had uh, we've had you on uh, this call now for thirty seven minutes, Barry. I've got two more questions, or Eric and I have two more questions. And okay. the, the, so my last question to you is: is how do you keep up with the changes in the industry?
1: Uh, just watching uh, online, uh, still showing a great deal of interest in. Uh, what, what's happening out there? You know, I'm I'm not a big electric car fan, but I've been, you know, I, I try to stay tuned into what's going on with that. And, right. Uh, you know, they've they've advertised uh, conversion kits for classic cars for that, uh, but th- you know, there's all the time. You know, when you go to SEMA, you see a lot of stuff that's uh, new and inventive and. Uh, that, that's kind of how I stay up with it. And then, you know, customers bring me that information. They, they'll do a lot of research before they get ready to, to bring the car in. And they'll say, I'd like to have this or that done. And, uh, if we haven't done it, then, uh, we'll look it up and figure out how to do it for them.
0: There you go. Yep.
2: So Barry, I have the question that, uh, well, when I ask it, you're like, why was that ever a buildup for this? So
0: <laughs> here, here it My, is, Barry. here's the, the
2: gotcha question. The question we've asked everybody is when you took your driver's test, what car did you? take your driver's test in
1: 1963 ford galaxy 500 okay Rago- ragoon red it was a convertible nice and i bought that car new in high school i'd saved a thousand dollars and my mother helped me with the payments on the balance and i worked after school and the two of us she got to drive it to her job at school down 12 miles down the road And I got to drive it on weekends and I still miss that car. Actually, I have a 63 convertible out there in my pile. Mm. And hope someday that I can convert it to something I can use and feel good like I did in that car. Gotcha. That's awesome. Yep. And
0: that's our first Galaxy. Yep, that is our first Galaxy. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, so and, cool. Uh, you know, I guess you had to parallel park uh, that vehicle for your driver's test, <laughs> yep. am I right? Yep,
1: yep, that's exactly right. <laughs> and, uh,
0: yeah, and there's no backup cameras in the 63 Galaxy, folks. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. Well, Barry, eight. Hey, listen, first of all, thank you. This has been uh, such a fun and uh, enjoyable conversation. And, and I certainly appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to, to join us here. Where can our listeners go to follow you?
1: They can follow me on my website at wilsonauto.com. Okay. Uh, when you get on that site, you can see some tabs at the top. You can take a look at my blog and my newsletter. Uh, it also, uh, unlike most websites, it has a phone number on it right at the very top. So you can pick up the phone and call me and I'm the one that answers the phone around that little old shop of mine, so gotcha. uh, I will be the person that you talk to. Yep. And you can get a hold of me either way, or you can email me at uh, WilsonAutoRepair at gmail dot com. Perfect.
0: Well, you certainly have the experience that I think a lot of people would like to hear from. So I would encourage them to take advantage of uh, calling you, especially it doesn't matter where they are in the nation. Uh, advice is advice. So I think that's great that you do that for, for the the enthusiasts and potential collectors. That's great.
1: I'll be happy to help them as much as I have time to do it. There you go.
0: (laughs) Well, and for our listeners, remember to check us out at our website, www.theclassiccarcorner.com. If you are looking to get your classic car appraised or need any pre-purchase inspections done. Of any car of interest, I'd welcome the opportunity to help. Uh, My company is Mobile Auto Appraisal Group, LLC, and I can be reached at jpaint72 at gmail.com. Remember to check out autobiotags.com. Every car has its story. Be sure to tell yours. If you're looking for a fun weekend getaway, look no further than RS Experience. With a high-performance specialist at the helm, owner Andy Papa professionally demonstrates driving tips, car weight management, vision and awareness skills check out rsexperience.com thank you for listening and happy motoring from your friends here at the classic car corner podcast